All right, so this is our third try. <laughs> so after all of that, where were we? We were talking about um, uh, the, the jhanas and whatnot. I can't remember exactly where we were. Oh yeah, I was gonna talk about the ten feathers, but before that, I just I'm just like kind of curious, like how did you figure all this like out, man? Like did did Buddha Dasa just tell this all to you, or like, because like I've I've read like tons of books and they all give like different advices and like talk about different things that just they don't like hit home the same way like you're teaching like your teaching is very like for me it's like really the way you teach the buddha's method it's like it makes sense like but like other teachers like stuff just doesn't it, do, it doesn't really make sense so like is it just how you explain it or like is this what you learn in like every monastery like uh well the answer to that question is no but i did have two good teachers, and in fact, more than one. I've learned from a lot of, lot of people, but I would say that it was Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa and his influence on others like Achan Po that actually um, allowed me to be in an environment to where I was basically not allowed to be unknowable. I see, that is interesting. That is very interesting. That's very, very interesting. Everyone around was completely noble. And when I would bring up my dead rabbit or something out of the past, <laughs> I, they just laugh at me, you know. Like, oh, my oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> now I see where you get like your dark humor from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where that's cool, man. What? That's cool. I see where you get your dark sense of humor from. I didn't know it was dark. I don't know. It seemed kind of dark, like to me. Like I was a bit surprised. Like with like the, do you remember like the puppy gif? And you were like yeah, with like the mother's ne hands around around the neck. And I was like, I was like, like what, what's he talking about? Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see what you're talking about. No, the 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 idea is is to give big, clear examples, so that the student really understands what we're talking about because the concept that we use is outlandish and overboard. Mm. Mm. Okay, an example would be teaching Paticca Samuppada and talking about contact is like that we've seen a tree and we crawl up into the tree and that tree then is our understanding of stuff and the way that that tree impacts us is when we fall out of it and we crash land. That's pasta. That's contact. When we fall out, bang. Okay, so that's okay. 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 So it's a strong um, uh, way of looking at it. A lot of people think of pasta or contact as kind of rubbing by or scraping by or touching like on a crowded street. But no, it's much more like touching something on a crowded high-speed freeway where every um, uh, bumper nick is a big deal. Yeah. You got to stop and talk about it and look at the damage. Yeah. So that's yeah. what we've got to do. We can't just brush by with this, Duca. We got to stop and pay attention to the damage that just happened. Swap mm. some names and, and look at what's going on. So that's why we use examples that are very big and very clear is to give the students the understanding that things are very clear 
if you see them directly. Mm. Mm. But it's very hard because we often get some desire, we get some value out of the the hindrance. The hindrances were there because we ignorantly thought that they had some value or yes. gratification. Yes. So yeah, like with, with the anger of, thing, it's so obvious, right? You, you, it feels good, kind of good, like in a weird way. It's like, yeah, like we think it's like a good thing. We think it's good to like be afraid of not knowing because that will help us know. We don't realize like that ignorance is like that it doesn't matter that we don't know. Mm -hmm. And so um, if we can recognize that the damage that we do with these hindrances, then we can throw them out. Uh, one of the uh, the teachings of the Buddha, uh, there's, this is actually in several suttas, uh, longer suttas in the Majjhima Nikaya, but in the, uh, even in the Anguttara and the Majjhima, uh, excuse me, the Samyutta uh, Nikaya, is the story of this, another kind of triple gem. And that is that we get gratification. We get gratification from what we do. One of the gratifications of doing this um, uh, same repetitive habit is that I don't have to look at what I'm doing. I don't have to take the effort. I can just do it automatically. That we are often mm. on automatic pilot because we uh, trust that we can get away with being on automatic pilot. And there we run our, our little birdie into the side of a tree. Yeah. Because we think that the automatic pilot, the bird, doesn't have to watch where he's going. Yes. And yes. so this is one of the gratifications that we get is life is easy and I can just cruise and get away with it. Yes. The fact is, yeah. is that we can't get away with it. We keep running into things if we're not looking at where we're going. And what are we most likely are running into is the hindrances in our mind. Yeah. And so then we began to say, I, this may not be as gratifying as I thought that it was because I'm actually into Buddhism and into meditation and all that because I've already begun to see enough dukkha to recognize that there's dukkha and dukkha everywhere. Okay, mm. and so this is the idea then we got to really look at what we're doing. Mm. And that's like the energy, that's, that's like the do. energy part, right? That's mm -hmm. like you, you have to have the energy to like pay attention. You can't just like feel good and then stop paying attention because then like an hour later, like you're back in the hindrances and you're like, oh, now I have to start all again from, from the beginning again mm -hmm. to like cloud my mind. But, right. The secret yeah. to high speed motorcycle racing is that you keep paying attention and keep paying attention and you keep looking down the road as far as you can see. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to crash. Yes, yes. You're going to crash if you don't watch where you're going when you're running. And here we are running and racing around our high-speed lives, crashing left, right, and center because we're not paying attention to where we're going, what we're doing. Yes, yes. And it's easy to stop paying attention. It's easy. We get, take great gratification. as oh, well, so far, so good. I don't have to watch. I can get away with not watching where I'm going. And then <laughs> <laughs> that, that was me last week man like I was like I was like I had like this like big like awakening opening thing and I was like oh this must be like 
like stream entry because it was like the biggest one that I've had. But it, anyway, I don't. It wasn't stream entry, but like I thought it was, and so was I was just, just like being experience. lazy. And I was like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to do work anymore. And then next thing you know, like three days later, I'm all this duke is back. I'm like, oh no, I lost it. And like getting all butt hurt, like, cause like I had made like this spiritual ego out of like this attainment mm -hmm. when really it's just an experience. Like, yeah. Exactly. That's, so that's, this is oh the whole God. quality. We have <laughs> to keep watching what we're doing because the danger is if we're not watching what we're doing, we're going to screw up again. That things are too complicated to just let things go on automatic pilot. That's why they don't use not until Tesla does it, but in but takeoff and landings require a great deal of attention. That they can't be done with automatic pilot. So every time that we take off and every time we land, we have to do that very consciously. Cruising mm. is okay mm. to let cruising happen on automatic pilot, but as soon as something happens, we got to pay attention. Otherwise, yeah. we're gonna crash. Yeah. So this yeah. is now the uh, the practice of the eightfold noble path. Going in this point, that we get a great deal of gratification by going on to automatic pilot and letting things cruise, because it's easy. The problem mm. with it is, is that. Uh, we don't see the dangers in that. Here's an example. Homer Simpson loves donuts. Oh, does he love donuts. Anytime there's donuts in the, uh, um, uh, in the break room, he goes and eats all the donuts. He goes mm. to the pastry shop and he buys donuts. And then he goes to the doctor and the doctor says, you've got diabetes, you've got high blood pressure, you've got uh, chronic obesity. If you don't stop eating those donuts, they're going to kill you. Now, mm. the question is, is Homer Simpson going to listen to the doctor or not? If he listens to the doctor, now he understands the doctor is saying danger in donuts. You might have had a great deal of gratification by eating donuts, but donuts are dangerous for you now. And so he begins to plot his escape. One of the escapes is don't go to the donut shop. Don't go to the break room. Don't go shopping and buy donuts and bring them home, because if we bring them home, now we don't have the willpower to resist them. Okay, yeah. so if yeah. donuts are dangerous, we can stop the donuts. This is the whole practice then, when we recognize these mental hindrances are actually just donuts that we love to eat and making us sick. I mean, little kids are that way all the time. They talk about getting hypertense, right? The, the teacher uh, on a good day will have a birthday party or something, and there's cake all over the place, and every kid goes on a sugar high, and they're just jumping all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so that's what sugar highs do to us. They're dangerous. And yet we got a great deal of satisfaction out of eating all of that um, candy. Or all that cake. Yeah. yeah. So now that we recognize that the cake has dangers built into it, we can start to either moderate it or eliminate it. And this is the way that we're going to be doing with our mind is, is that we either moderate it or eliminate it. Now, what happens is when people say, all right, I'm going to eliminate it, and then it comes back, then they get frustrated again. That's a very common thing. Almost all of the good students worry because they thought if they threw that hindrance out, booted them out, 
hard enough and give him a great big butt job, just kick the hell out of him, you know, he won't come yeah. back. And yeah, like if they kick him right far enough again. out. <laughs> but yeah, of course, yeah. It's right, like a boomerang. So I'm going to kick him even harder next time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so all you have to do is just nudge him out. But he's going to come back. Just nudge him out again. Yeah, we also just, like, have the idea just, like... that we're going to uproot that hindrance. No, mm. what we can only do is to nudge him out when it comes. An example of that is a weed that's growing uh, out of the crack in the pavement that belongs to the city, a sidewalk or something. You can't go tear up the city's sidewalks. That's a lot of work, even if you did, just to get rid of that little weed that's coming. Much better is when the weed does come up, just whack it off at the surface. That's all you have to do mm -hmm. is just whack off. You keep whacking that uh, leaf off every time it comes up, the root's going to wither and die. The same thing is true with the mind. These hindrances, if you give them any gratification at all, they're speeding them. And if you give them no gratification at all and say, hey, I don't need that, that's dukkha, out it goes, then yeah. that will eventually wither and die. And so you don't have to uproot it. All you have to do is just throw it out right now. And I kind of feel like when you're trying to like uproot it, you're you're making a really big deal out of it. Like it's like mm -hmm. I've got to end suffering forever. It's like you're turning suffering from this tiny little thing that was bothering you now into this lifelong issue. It's like your lifelong spiritual quest, and it's you just it's just like blowing it up out of proportion. Uh -huh. And now and you're look seeing how suffering many like books you've like, read. And look yeah, how many books right? you've read because it was a great big deal. Now that we recognize that there's nothing to it, you don't have to do a lot of reading. The thing that we need to read is, do I see that thing coming up? And if I do, out it comes. Out it goes, yeah. And that makes the practice very easy because you only have to remove this hindrance. So, Just um, this. So is the... The, the fetters, can we think of the 10 fetters as just an expanded version of the five hindrances? So they just add five more. Like, is that how well, you think about them or like? Uh, yeah, there they are. They're listed uh, that way. The, 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 the hindrance of doubt is, in fact, the fetter of ignorance. The fetter of wanting something of lust in this moment is exactly the same thing as the underlying greed and ill will, which is the fourth and the fifth fetter. Yeah, they're the same thing. They're just way mm. different ways of talking about them. Mm. Yes. So if yes. you, up, oh, if you I, eliminate I, I, this hindrance, you're breaking its root. Slowly, I think kind of what. What I do like in my mind a lot is like I kind of I reify like the lists. So I'll say the five hindrances. I'll be like anytime I have a negative thought, I'm like, oh, which hindrance is this? Like not that it matters because I can I know how to like get out of it. Like I don't need to know which hindrance it is, but I'll like which hindrance uh, is it or which fetter is it? Like I'll kind of make a big deal out of it. it. Like that is very Mahasi. Yeah. That's very yeah. much the Mahasi method. And all we really need to know is this is a hindrance from me feeling as good as I would feel if I would stop doing that. Mm. Recognizing mm. that the hindrances are, are like that. Here's one more thing that I'll tell you about, and that is, is that in Sutta number 39, there are five metaphors or five similes for the hindrances. 
And guess what? These five similes do not correspond one-on-one -on -one with the hindrances. But they do give an indication to how interrelated the hindrances are. So the first story is the story of being sick in the hospital. And you feel bad. You felt bad. You went to the hospital. But when you get out of the hospital, you want out. You're really happy to get out of the hospital. You feel freedom. No one wants to stay in the hospital, even when they're sick. But when you don't feel so sick, and in fact, uh, the story is, is that the doctor comes by and he checks you out and says, yeah, it's okay for you to go home. Let's do all the paperwork and we'll come back. And now you're sitting there on your hospital bed, got any clothes on, waiting to leave the hospital, and you can't because they haven't done the paperwork yet. They haven't gotten your bill mm. yet. And you mm -hmm. can't leave yet. And you really want to get out of this hospital. Yeah. All right? And so yeah. when you do get out of the hospital, oh, what a relief I am out of this hospital. Okay, so that's the first example that when we are sick, we're sick. When we get well, we feel a whole lot better. The second analogy is the analogy of being in prison. When we are in prison, we want out. We know when the due date is. We know that we've either got a life sentence or we're never getting out, or we got five years, or we got two years, or whatever like that, and we're planning on getting out. The number one thing for all prisoners is getting out of prison. Exactly, exactly. Then when you get out of prison, oh, what a relief it is, is to be out of prison. So these analogies are beginning to point out that the reason that we want to be free from the hindrances is what a relief it is to have them out of the mind. So the next one is the, uh, the servant of the king. This guy has to get up in the morning before the king gets up so that he could dress the king and get the king fed. And now he's got to follow the king around all day long, taking care of the king. And then at the end of the day, he has to put the king to bed first before he can go to bed. And this is his day, mm. day in, day out. Well, guess what? We have that kind of life ourselves. What is, who are you or what are you a servant to? Your desires. They're the king. And you got to go around filling all of those desires. You're the servant of your own desires. And when you allow those desires to go to sleep, now you can rest. Wow, that's a really good one. That's a really good point. Yeah. Okay. I'm kind of like just like a slave to my every impulse. Mm -hmm. Well, not every impulse, because the I'm more of a slave to like the desires, like wanting to be wealthy and stuff because that's like like trying to make money every day it's like that's like a that's a, like a, a socially sanctioned impulse if you will okay so the fourth one is being in debt you've got a mortgage every month you got to pay the mortgage or you're only into the loan shark and you keep having to hide from the loan shark because every time the loan shark sees you he wants money Mm. All right. And then imagine that you are out of debt. Either the loan shark himself died or maybe you moved to another country or that you paid the debt. And to now you're debt free. You don't owe anybody anything. What a relief it is that, in fact, when people pay off their mortgage, they have a celebration. 
wow, what a relief it is to have that debt paid. And now I don't owe anybody anything. Then, in fact, if you owe anything, if you've got credit cards or any of that kind of stuff, it's a burden. And yeah. we have to do it. So we are we are actually indebted to our desires. We have to go pay whatever our desires say that we want. Oh, my God, that's a crazy way to think about it, because I, I feel like now that you said it and phrase it like that, I'm thinking of it like less like it's like my desire and it's like a desire. It's like I'm like the servant of it and it's like what? But that's like, I guess that's part of the counterintuitive, like strange, loopy trickiness of the whole thing. Uh-huh. It's like my desire, but I'm like a slave to it. It's like it's crazy. All right. Now, the last one on the list is the item that is referred to is, is that you are on a long journey. In the sutta, it talks about one who has a camel load of goods. You're the merchant and you're traveling through the desert, which is hot, dry and dangerous. And then finally, you either get to a rest stop or to an oasis or even back home. And the first thing that happens is, is that you relax. An example of that is when you moved into, uh, you're out traveling and you move to a hotel room, you get the room. And the first thing you do when you get into that hotel room is that you lay down on the bed. Ah, relax. We're finally home. We finally can relax. Our traveling is finished. That in fact, that happens with um, cowboys who ride into town after they've been out on the hot, dusty trail. The first thing they do when they get off the horse is not take care of the horse. The first thing they do is they go into the saloon and sit yeah. down. All right, take yeah. a load off. Okay, I have finally arrived. So this is the quality of the feeling of the being free from the hindrances is, is that we're home. We've relaxed. We can we we don't have the burden. We can set down our burdens. In fact, the setting down of the burden is the same thing as getting out of the prison, getting out of the hospital, or getting out of debt. It all freedom has the taste everywhere. Just like this, uh, every sea, no matter which river flows into the ocean, all the ocean tastes the same. It's all salty. Well, freedom from the hindrances is that way too. It doesn't matter which freedom or which hindrance you're uh, fed into. The taste of the freedom from that hindrance is always the same. Freedom. I'm free of it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah. that's what we need to start paying attention to is, aha, I see you, and now I'm free from you. Aha, uh -huh, I don't have to think about that. That's the relief that we feel when we recognize that we have just finished that hindrance, that we have arrived home, that we've gotten out of the hospital, that we've just been released from jail, that we've just gotten out of debt. Having that kind of feeling is what we expect to have for the first jhana is that feeling of relief. All of these things have the quality of the feeling of relief. Coming home after a long journey with all of our goods, what a relief. Coming out of the hospital, what a relief. Coming out of prison, what a relief. What a relief. 
So all of those books you're reading, set them down. What a relief. Here's something when you begin to talk for a while after a little while of you talking that's when it gets garbled again. And so now let's have a new experiment with that. And that is, is just say one or two words and see if that keeps it from getting garbled right now. Try one or two words. No, once it got garbled, it's, it stays garbled. I think that it has to do with something in your software that gets trapped. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's so sorry. Yeah, yeah. On, on Skype, you might, in fact, uh, on the microphone, you go to the settings and uh, go to the audio and then change the setting on the microphone from automatic to manual. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure that this is something that Skype is doing. Oh. Skype does something with your microphone and then it gets bad. Is this better? Is it better? Is it better? Try, try. No, not really. Uh, not really. I think I, I think I'll just have to hang up and call again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that if we can play with it or an experiment, we'll figure out what it is. Hey, fair enough. That's, that's, that's good. Long term problem solving. That's a good thing. Okay. Okay. So, anyway, let's go ahead and finish the call. I think that we've gotten somewhere with this. When you begin to understand that these hindrances, getting rid of them, the taste is relief, the taste is feeling of freedom. And that's what we're looking for. Throwing the hindrances out actually create that sense of relief, just like paying a debt off. Yates, being free from debt, are coming home after a long journey, and we feel relief. Yeah. yeah. So go with that. Go with getting uh, the hindrances out of the mind and then take the relief. All right, all right. I don't know if you can hear me, but... Fantastic. Thank you. I can hear I can hear enough. Okay. Robert, we'll see you later. And Ciao. Uh, all right, fantastic. Thank you. Okay. See you soon. Okay.